You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. We're going to kind of dive in here this morning and just kind of continue. We've been over the last couple of uh, weeks now, we've been really kind of talking about just basic Christian doctrine, what we believe, why we believe what we believe here. We've you know, kind of talked about the Trinity, again, the importance of understanding what the Trinity is, who the Trinity is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We talked again about the importance of understanding uh, the Word of God, why that is so important to a healthy church, why it's so important to uh, our faith as Christians, and how much we need to just be in the Word, learning and growing in our knowledge and understanding of the Word. It's part of how God reveals new things to us is through the Word. So again, it's an in- indispensable part of our Christian faith. And then we kind of broke down the Trinity, and we've kind of been looking at each member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son. We looked at Jesus last week. Who is Jesus? And the amazing thing is, is on on any of these sermons, I can pretty much write a sermon one Sunday and give you all the insight uh, in 45 minutes that I have to share on who God the Father is. I could go downstairs and write another whole sermon on the same subject with all different insight. And when I'm done with that, I could go downstairs and I can write another whole sermon with new insights um, that I didn't even get to cover in the first two. And, and you can do that endlessly just on God the Father. So when I do these topics, it's kind of humorous because I oftentimes just have to battle against too much information. You know, it's like you're sitting there writing, okay, I got, I got to talk about this. You know, oh, and I got to talk about this. And you realize, I'm, I'm out of time. And so again, every issue that you get up here, every person that you talk about in the Trinity, it's a, it is an endless pursuit. And God designed it that way because he wants us not to just acquire a certain amount of knowledge about him and then say, we've arrived, we're done. We, we don't need to grow anymore. It, it, is, it is to draw you into this relationship where God just kind of begins to reveal, this is who God the Father is. And then it just kind of begins to, that song where it just begins to awaken your heart. Wow, that's God the Father? Oh, I want to learn more. And, and, and so that's the whole idea. When you begin to talk about uh, Jesus, uh, the magnificence, the marvelousness, the awesomeness, the, the splendor of Jesus, it, it's not ever intended to get you to a certain point and say, that's all there is to know. There's no more to learn about Jesus. It, it is to entice your heart It's to kind of awaken your heart to say, wow, this Jesus, he is so amazing. He is so awesome. I want to know more. It's really designed to just draw, inspire, connect your heart to him in a way that you just want to come after him for more and more and more. And, And there's just this part of you that can just never get enough of that. That's why 45 minutes of me talking on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit It's just to whet your appetite. It's not to fill you. It is to whet your appetite for more. Amen? So we're going to continue. I'm just kind of giving you that as, 
you know, a, a preface to this whole thing. You know, I, I sometimes as I'm writing this, I just kind of feel like, man, uh, there's so many things I didn't talk about in, in this. Uh, so again, there's, there's a level of frustration when you're writing on these, uh, on these kinds of uh, topics uh, for uh, a sermon. So we've kind of looked at uh, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ. Today I kind of want to just look at who is the Holy Spirit. Now, the first and most basic thing that you got to understand about the Holy Spirit is he is a person. Okay, he is a person just like God the Father. He is a person just like Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the three of them together, okay, they comprise what we call the Trinity. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're kind of together. They are bonded in, in, in this unity we can't even begin to understand. And so in the midst of this threesome of, of this, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is kind of just this atmosphere, if you can begin to kind of just imagine the purest of love. I mean, if you could just somehow imagine what would be the purest form of love, what would be the purest form of joy, what would be the purest form of peace, and just kind of begin to just plug in all of these words that we, that we uh, throw around here. Righteousness. I mean, what would it be like to be in a place where there is perfect righteousness? And it, it is in this fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit where you find all of that. Now, the beauty of this is, is that in this fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit... God decides he's going to send one of those members, Jesus, and he's going to send him into the world as a demonstration of his great unfathomable love for you, okay? God cannot begin to describe in words that we could understand how much he loves us. So he does something, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate the level of love that I have for you that one of these members, one of these persons of the Trinity, I am going to send him. And the other beautiful thing is, is, is Jesus said, I'll go. It wasn't like God the Father said, uh, you're going to go. I, I know you don't want to, and it's against you know, your inclination, um, or, or he you know, violates the will of Jesus. Jesus says, no, no, no. No, no, I want to go because I have this same love for them that you have, Father. I have this same desire for them. I want to go. And so Jesus comes, it says, and God takes on human flesh. He becomes a human being. He becomes like us in every way, only he had no sin, had no sin nature, no inclination to sin. And he lives among us. As a human being for 33 and a half years, three of the, 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 the last three and a half years were, were his ministry years. We talk a lot about that uh, here. And his life ends, many of you know, he goes to the cross, uh, his body's broken, his blood is shed, he dies for our sins in our place. We're going to talk about the whole concept of salvation, what that entails, how Jesus accomplished that. So he comes and he, he dies, and it says three days later, he was resurrected. 
And then he kind of appears to his disciples over a period of 40 days. And then it says that he has ascended into heaven. And he goes back into this fellowship of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Only this time he takes a, a, a body. His body was resurrected. And he takes something back into that fellowship of Father and Holy Spirit that wasn't there before. He's got this glorified, resurrected body. And the beautiful thing is, is, is he kind of ushers in the, the human race into this beautiful fellowship. Now, I, I want you to kind of imagine for the purpose, Mark Cassie, Jason, come here for a second. This is easier to see than it is to explain. I want you three just to kind of stand in a circle, hold hands. This is probably good theology, be, you know, because uh, we'll, we'll say, you know, Cassie could be uh, the, the a Holy Spirit. Uh, it's neither male nor female, but a, a person, okay? So you've got Jason, Mark, Cassie. I want you just to imagine that they are that, that trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, in the midst of this, there is just, again, this, this pure love, joy, there is peace, there is patience, there is kindness, there is goodness. I mean, it, it's, in, it's in its purest form. So if Jason is kind of Jesus, so what happens is, in a sense, Jason kind of just steps out, okay? He's clothed with human flesh. He comes to earth. He's three, three, 33 and a half years. He is, goes to the cross. He's crucified. He's, uh, you know, dies for our sins. He's resurrected, and then he ascends back in, but this time he's taking the human body that he had. It's glorified. It's resurrected, and he's bringing that back into this perfect fellowship. Now, the beautiful thing is what you and I were created for and what Jesus does for us in bringing the, 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 the human being, the, 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 the person that God created in his image and his likeness, what it's doing for us is it takes you and I and it puts us in the center of this. Isn't that incredible? See, you're, you're not out here anymore. You were. Your, your sin, it separates you from this, but that's your choice. Because of what Jesus did, he's given you an opportunity. He's giving you permission. I have brought the human being, what God created in his image and his likeness. I have brought that back, and, and, and you can come into this through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when we accept Jesus, we're coming into this unity, this fellowship, and we begin to share in all of that. That love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that, that they are experiencing in here. When we come into this, we are availing ourselves to that. Does that make sense? Good. All right, thank you. Now they're not letting me out. And, that, and, and that's a good analogy too. Once you're in, you're in. There's no getting out of it, and they're not going to throw you out. You can run, but you can't hide, right? 
Don't worry about trying to follow me this morning. I think I've thrown all that out. So again, they're united. They're, they're, they're united in thought, purpose, and plan this morning. So God has a purpose and a plan for the Holy Spirit in your life. And we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit here. And that really is, the Holy Spirit really is here to reveal Jesus. He is here to reveal, to give you wisdom, insight, revelation into who God the Father is. Now a lot of people in a lot of churches, they're scared to death of the Holy Spirit. They don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit. They don't want to acknowledge the Holy Spirit because there is a sense of where you have to give up control and you kind of just have to surrender. You have to kind of give yourself. Uh, you just have to kind of, kind of invite the Holy Spirit to kind of come and do what the Holy Spirit does. It's like the wind. You can't control the wind. And Jesus kind of talks about it, and he gives these analogies, you know, that the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like the wind. It blows where it wants to blow. It goes where it wants to go. No one can control that. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Oftentimes, we kind of associate, a, a, you know, a lack of self-control as a bad thing. But you know what? When we can't control the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing because God's intent, God's purpose with the Holy Spirit is, is for your blessing. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. God's never going to use the Holy Spirit as a form of destruction. You know, wind can be very destructive. But the Holy Spirit's not like that. The Holy Spirit's always building and edifying and revealing uh, beautiful things. He's always telling you uh, marvelous things about your heavenly Father. He's always wanting to reveal more beautiful insight into who Jesus the Christ is and how he wants to bless you and to extend his kindness to you. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is, is a person. It's not an it. It's not a force. You know, the force be with you. It's not that kind of a thing. It's not an it, it's not a power, I mean, he has power, he, he will endue in, in you with power, but he's not this power, he is a person. Now, some will say, you know, I, I have down here, you know, Jehovah Witnesses, they kind of, you know, teach that God is not one person, the Father. He, he's kind of, you know, God the Father, and then Jesus is kind of this creation, which, you know, he, he's not created uh, in, in a sense that, that, you know, there was a time where Jesus was not, and then all of a sudden God created Jesus, and there was Jesus. No, no, Jesus always has been. There's never, ever been a time when Jesus was not, and it's, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. So they'll say, you know, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, God is Father, Jesus is a creation, the Holy Spirit is a force. That's Jehovah Witness, and it's, that's not what we believe. It's not what we teach. It's not what we believe the Bible teaches. Neither is the Holy Spirit one person who kind of takes three consecutive forms. You know, God the Father becomes Jesus the Son, who becomes you know, God the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. We're talking three distinct persons, 
One being, one essence, and they're again, they're, they're kind of united in thought, purpose, and plan. They each have a different role that they play. And as you get into scripture, and you can kind of see, okay, here's God the Father, here's kind of what he's doing. Here's, here's God the Son, Jesus. He, he's kind of doing this over here. And then you got the Holy Spirit. So as you begin to uh, study those three persons, you kind of begin to see what their distinct and separate roles and purposes are. Now, the Trinity is not an office held by three separate gods as Mormonism teaches. So, again, there's a lot of thought, there's a lot of teaching out there on the Holy Spirit. That's why, again, it's important for us to go back and to define what we believe and why we believe about these specific things. Because all religions, I don't care what religion, all have ideas, thoughts concerning Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Uh, So, again, we want to understand why we believe what we believe. So God is a trinity of persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now again, the Father is not the same as the Son, the Son is not the same as the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the same person as the Father. They are three distinct persons, yet they are all one God, sharing the same essence, again, binding them together in this unity of fellowship we cannot even begin to imagine or describe. Now, when I refer to the Holy Spirit as a person, I'm not saying that, I'm not calling him human. Again, that is the uniqueness of what Jesus brought back into the Trinity is that he brings a, a human being back into the very presence, into that fellowship of God the Father and God the Spirit. What I'm saying when I say that the Holy Spirit um, is a person, I'm saying he possesses attributes of what we would consider or what, or what we would define personhood as being. So the Holy Spirit is a deity, not a human being. But we also remember humans were created in God's image and in his likeness. So he is not like us, rather we are more like him. So we're given, you know, again, descriptions, insight, revelation, wisdom into the word that the Holy Spirit has characteristics. He has elements of personhood. He shares attributes that we would look at other people and say they possess these same attributes and in possessing these certain attributes, this is what makes you a person or a human being. So the Holy Spirit teaches He guides, he comforts, he disciplines, he can be grieved. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts learned a a, a deadly lesson over that one. Uh, He can be resisted, he can be tested, he can be blasphemed. So those are, again, some of the things that constitute personhood. He is called God. He is referred to as Lord, the Spirit of God. I love that song that we sang, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. That is, that's perfect. That is great theology. That's what you want. It, that is a, that's a great prayer, what we sang here this morning. That's what God wants to do. God wants to fall afresh on you. And the way God's going to do that is through the Holy Spirit. Called Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Father, Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of Jesus, the Comforter, 
Other places he is called the advocate. So again, a person, you are self-aware. A person is self-aware. I mean, you, you know you exist, okay? I don't have to tell you you exist. You just, you know that by your own uh, understanding. So a person is self-aware. And when a person is self-aware, they can speak, they can love, they can hate, uh, they can say you, yours, me, mine. Uh, each person in the Trinity demonstrates these distinct qualities that we associate with personhood. So that's why I say they're persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are persons. Now, again, the Holy Spirit's not a what, rather a who. And that's what we're talking about. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, the Holy Spirit, again, does have power. He gives power. He endues with power. But we don't want to just talk about or describe the Holy Spirit as a, a, a power, okay? He is a person, we first learn of the presence, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We find that in Genesis chapter 1-2. It says, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the earth and the Spirit of God. Right there in the very, very beginning. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God. There's the Holy Spirit present there in the beginning with God the Father and God the Son. And it says he's moving over the surface of the waters. So right away, we, 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 we understand, we know from Revelation, there is a spirit of God. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word ruach was, again, it was a, the Hebrew word uh, that talked about and referred to the Holy Spirit. And the word literally meant wind. Which again, as you kind of begin to study out the Holy Spirit, you kind of begin to see that being kind of manifested in a lot of different ways. You remember in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes, how did, the, how did the disciples describe that? They said it was kind of like this violent rushing wind kind of just swept through the room. That was the Holy Spirit. So they're kind of, they're experiencing that in that Hebrew terminology. It was like the wind. It was um, in the uh, New Testament, the Greek word is uh, pneuma, and that was used to, to mean the breath or breeze. So you could say the Spirit of God, it was kind of the same thing as the breath of God. And this seems to be uh, what Jesus had in mind when he says to his disciples in John 20, verse 21, he says, peace be unto you. And again, the, the, the peace Jesus is talking about, he says, that peace I'm talking about, it's not the peace like the world talks about. He said, it's the peace that exists in this fellowship. That peace be unto you. Well, how can that peace be unto you? It, well, it's because Jesus left it, came, and took a human being back into that very fellowship of the Godhead. And he says, now, the peace we have here, you can experience that peace as well. Not the peace like that out there. I'm talking about the peace in here. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, did Jesus go begrudgingly? Did he go against his will? No, 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 no. I want to go, Father. 
I, I delight, I desire. Nothing would give me greater joy and pleasure than to go and to give my life as an offering, a sacrifice, so that they might be joined with us here in this fellowship. That's, that's the same desire, Jesus said, as, as the Father sent me, I now send you. Don't go begrudgingly. Go willingly. There's no greater joy than to go and to be an ambassador for Christ, to go and to be the feet of those who, who spread good news. She says, the Father sent me, I also send you. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on him. He, he, that's that Greek word, pneuma. He, he breathed upon them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sometimes described in the original uh, Greek as the word parakletos. And Jesus uses this Greek word uh, uh, again in describing the Holy Spirit and he says in John 14, 16 through 17, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Remember Isaiah 9, 6, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's what he's saying here. This is a fulfillment of what Isaiah was talking about there in the Old Testament. God is going to give you a counselor who will never leave you. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. He can be in all places, at all times, under all circumstances. And his promise is, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. So I'm going to send this comforter so that he'll always be with you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all Truth. Now that, that sentence right there, another job description of the Holy Spirit. He is here to lead you into all truth. Now all of us, there, all of us here are, are a mix of, of truth and mistruth, okay? It's just as part of our humanness. Some of those mistruths we're aware of. Some of those mistruths we're not aware of yet. Oftentimes what the Holy Spirit does with me is God's working on those mistruths I'm aware of. And he's trying to bring me into alignment, into agreement with his word. And once I kind of get the mistruths I'm aware of, we can kind of start getting to some of the mistruths I'm unaware of. There's some of you here this morning, you're being controlled by mistruths that you're both aware of and unaware of. Part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning is he wants to bring revelation. He wants to bring wisdom. He wants to bring insight. You want to understand why you're doing these kinds of things that are, that are maybe ruining your life? The Holy Spirit, he's there trying to give you revelation, insight, understanding into why you're doing some of the things you're doing. There's a mistruth that maybe you have bought into that you believe about yourself. Mark was kind of alluding to that earlier. And so what he wants to do is he wants to take that mistruth and he wants to replace that. He wants to renew your mind. And he wants to take that mistruth and he wants to replace it with the truth of God. This is, this is the truth. This is who you are. This is what I've called you to do and to be. Oftentimes, again, we are, we're just, we are kind of a, a mix of, of again, of, of those, um, those 
mistruths uh, that we are aware of, those mistruths that we're not aware of. And this is part of what the Holy Spirit, he leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you do because he lives with you and later will be in you. Now, Acts chapter 2 is where the fulfillment of what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit's with you now, God Emmanuel, God with us. And he said in, in Acts chapter 2, that's where it kind of went from Emmanuel, God with us, to Holy Spirit, Pentecost, God, Holy Spirit in you. Now, let me just give you this analogy. How many of you are going to have lunch this morning or this afternoon after church? How many of you are going to have lunch or maybe even supper? Let me ask you this question. Is that supper, that dinner, that lunch going to be better with you or in you? Is it going to benefit you more with you or in you? Absolutely. So what is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit going to benefit you with you or in you? That's what Jesus is getting at there. See, now he's with you, but, but soon it's going to get even better than that. It's good that God's with you, but it's going to get even better, and it, it's, it can't get any better than when God gets inside you. How many of you know if God is inside you, he can't get any closer? That's as close as God can get is inside you. There's nowhere else to go. That's the beauty of this. This is why the Holy Spirit's here. But you do because he lives with you and later will be in you. Now again, parakletos, it, it means one called alongside, a counselor, a comforter, an encourager. How many of you need an encourager in your life? Yeah. Don't, I mean, aren't you, don't you just kind of naturally gravitate towards people who are encouragers rather than discouragers? Yeah, we, we, all, we, want it, we all want that encourager in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit's there to do. He's there to encourage you. See, here's, here's the problem a lot of us have. We just kind of think, boy, if I ever, ever started listening to or, or if I ever kind of surrendered my life to the Holy Spirit, it would just be kind of like, you know, uh, uh, nagging mother-in-law. Apologies to all you mother-in-laws. <laughs> all I could think of off the top of my head. I almost said your first wife, but I... I but again, oftentimes that's kind of what we think of the Holy Spirit in those kinds of terms. If, if the Holy Spirit, if I ever started listening to the Holy Spirit, all he's going to do is just start ripping on me. All he's going to start doing is just complaining about this that I'm doing and that that I'm doing, this where I'm going, this what I'm saying. And we just kind of think that's our image of God. That's our image of the Holy Spirit it is he's, he's going to discourage me from doing the things I love to do. To go, to be, to say. I'm here to tell you, nothing's further from the truth. That is a mistruth that the Holy Spirit wants to correct. And the only way he's going to correct that is when you really kind of just start saying, okay, Holy Spirit, blow through the caverns of my soul. And what you're going to find is you're going to begin to experience the Holy Spirit as an encourager. Because that's the way you were created. That's how God created you to be, was to be encouraged, not discouraged. And so it only makes sense that the Holy Spirit is going to come and begin to encourage. He's going to begin to, to, to say things that are going to build you up, things that are going to lift you up, things that are going to inspire you. 
not expire you. I mean, it's interesting, you know, when Isaiah, you know, it, it says that uh, Isaiah had kind of come into the presence of the Lord and, and, he, and he said he, he could kind of just have this vision of the, the Lord's train filling the temple. And, and that, that train is the presence, it's the power of God. And so as he's in there, it's interesting Isaiah is the one that cries out, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. And I thought about that one day, and I thought, that's interesting. Isaiah said that, not the presence of the Lord. It doesn't say that, that when Isaiah came into the presence and, the, and he saw that the power and the, the train of the Lord filled the presence and then the Holy Spirit said, oh, a man of unclean lips. No, no, no. Isaiah made that observation of himself. And oftentimes that's what we think the Holy Spirit's there to do. Oh, here's a person of unclean lips. Oh, here's a person, and God just begins to tick off and to count off all of your sins. That is not what the Holy Spirit is there to do. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, I'm sending him to be a comforter, not someone to bring discomfort, not someone to bring condemnation, guilt, and shame. There's enough people in your family or your workplace that can do that. You don't need another one of those. So again, you need a comforter. You need an encourager. Jesus said that is who the Holy Spirit is. So this, this word, another, it means of the same kind. In other words, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. I mean, aren't, aren't we, aren't, isn't that part of what draws us to Jesus is Jesus is so unlike anyone else? I mean, when that woman is taken in adultery, you know, I mean, the, the, the people that brought her, they pretty much figured they had Jesus all figured out. Here's what the law says. You know, Jesus claims to kind of come, to want to uphold, to be a fulfillment of the law. So we're going to bring this woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and we know exactly what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to condemn her. He's going to have her stoned. What did they find? None of that. Jesus said, as a matter of fact, why don't those of you without sin, why don't you be the ones that cast the first stone? And it says, from the oldest to the youngest, they just kind of left. That's the Holy Spirit, an encourager, someone who is here to lift you out of your sin, out of your difficulties, out of your struggles, out of your addictions, to take you out of those places of mistruth and to bring you into all truth. He's an encourager. He wants to unite you to the Father and to the Holy, uh, to the Father and to the Son. He wants to reveal. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my first encounter of the Holy Spirit was when I came across, I've shared this before, I came across a t-shirt, a guy was wearing a t-shirt one day, and it said, Jesus is God. I thought, what in the world? And then underneath in this really, really small print were all these Bible verses that evidently um, supported that claim. Now, I'd been raised in the Lutheran church. I'd heard a lot about Jesus. I kind of thought Jesus was a great guy. He did a lot of great things. I know he died on the cross. They say he resurrected from the dead. I, didn't, I mean, none of that made any sense. It really didn't even really, I didn't even know how to apply it to my life in any meaningful way. And so, 
I, you know, stopped this guy, and so I, I had a piece of paper, and I, I copied down all of the scripture verses that he had there on the t-shirt, and I went home, and, and I literally, I had to look for my Bible. When I found it, I kind of started looking those Bible verses up, and, and that, was, that was my first encounter with the Holy Spirit, was the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to understand Jesus is God. It stunned me. I just, I remember sitting there thinking, what are the ramifications of this? I mean, yeah, he was a man. Yeah, he lived a good life. He did a lot of great things. He died, but he's God. Wow. That changed everything for me. And that was, that was my first encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, Wesley would say you had many, many encounters with the Holy Spirit long before you had the one that, that you can describe. Because the Holy Spirit, I mean, even if you're, I don't care how far you think you are from God this morning, I will guarantee every one of you in this room, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life right now. You're just not aware of it. The Holy Spirit was at work in my life in ways I was not aware of. And that was my first awareness was when I got in the Word and, and made that observation, or I came to that revelation that Jesus is God. That was the first tangible encounter I ever had with the Holy Spirit. It changed my heart. It opened my eyes. Again, it's where it took me out of, mis, out of a place of mistruth that I was not aware of and brought me into a place of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm out of time. Okay. But that's what Jesus said. Remember, remember this? Jesus said this. He said, who do men say that I am? Remember they rattled, I talked about this last week. They rattled off a bunch of different names. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember what Jesus said? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. I cannot reveal this to you. No man, no flesh and blood can reveal this to you. Jesus said, but my Father who is in heaven, that is the Holy Spirit's job. It is to reveal the Father and the Son to us. Flesh and blood cannot do this, folks. The Holy Spirit wants to encounter you. He is encountering you. I mean, I could... I could go on for hours, just talking again about ways that the Holy Spirit has, has encountered me. I'll give you the, the, the latest. A lot of you know that last week we did a, um, a Bible reading marathon over there, and it was a long week, and we were there early in the morning setting up, uh, late at night tearing down, and, and just back and forth trying to make sure, and you're trying to coordinate 320 uh, different people and, and schedules, and so it was just really, really a very, very busy, chaotic week. We get kind of to the end of the week, and God gives me this picture. And that's one of the ways Holy Spirit will speak to you is through pictures. Uh, he'll give you words. I mean, we can talk about all that uh, another time. But one of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks to me is he gave me a picture. And in this picture, we had a table set up over at the courthouse, and we were serving coffee and donuts to the courthouse employees, and we were thanking them. Um, you know how a picture paints a thousand words? Yeah, so I just got the picture and then I, I pretty much understood what God wanted us to do. And then the Holy Spirit highlighted two words to me, patience and kindness. So I knew that the Holy Spirit wanted us to set a table up there on Tuesday morning at 7.30 and serve coffee and donuts to the courthouse employees as they came in. And we were to thank them for their patience and their kindness. Those were the two words the Holy Spirit uh, it, it just lit up in my mind. Uh, and so we did that. Um, that again, that, that's how the Holy Spirit works with me. 
Um, and again, notice it, it wasn't there to, we weren't there to point out their sins. We were not there to condemn them. We were not there to tell them the end of the world is coming. I think most of us know that by now, right? Yeah. We were just there to encourage them. Thank you. I'm sure a lot of them that came through didn't agree or maybe understand or support what we were doing. That wasn't the point. Thank you. Have a blessed day. It was just awesome to see their, their faces light up. Wow. Really? For us? Yeah. God bless you. Have a great day. Oh, I'm going to now. <laughs> Holy Spirit. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.